Yes, ma'am. And that. Silent request. All right. I'll open the building. Look at Luke chapter 9, if you will, please. I'll enjoy this with you so much. Luke 9, 23 through 26. Luke 9, 23 through 26. We'll look at true discipleship. And this fits right along with what Roger was saying about growing a church, moving forward. We have plenty enough people to make it happen, just getting it done, working as a team. But look at this, Luke 9, 23. And he said to them all, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. For whosoever shall save his life shall lose it. But whosoever shall lose his life for my sake, the same shall save it. For what is a man advantaged if he gain the whole world and lose himself, or be cast away? For whosoever shall be ashamed of me and of my words, of him shall the Son of Man be ashamed, when he shall come in his own glory, and in his Father's, and of the holy angels. Let's look at true discipleship. I think this will uh, be something you'll enjoy. Dear Lord, thank you for the privilege of being here. And I pray for every prayer request, a number of them, and everyone always unspoken requests, so many of them. You know every need. I am glad that you are personally involved in our life. You interact with us every moment of every hour of every day. We may not realize it, but you're always taking care of us, always anticipating what's ahead for us, and already making provision before we even get there. Bless and meet every need of all these, and Holy Spirit, share with us wonderful words of life, and dear Lord, I'll praise you for all you do, for asking in your name and with thanksgiving. Amen. Thank you be seated. Now I'll say up front, this passage has some tremendous demands on the part of our Lord toward us. There's no way to water it down. There's no way to weaken it. Some tremendous demands he places on us here. But don't misunderstand that. In one way, it's actually a warning to would-be followers who, uh, in Jesus' day, they're saying, well, I'm thinking about following you. He said, wait a minute, you need to consider this. There's a price to pay, a high cost in discipleship. So there was a, a warning there for those would-be followers. And then there's a reminder for us who are already saved that it will cost us something to follow the Lord Jesus. Amen. It costs him everything to make a way for us to be in his family, and it's impossible for us to be his followers and it not cost us something as well. That's a total contradiction to this seeker-friendly approach many churches are having today. You know, just whatever you want to believe, how you feel about it, just come on in, we'll be one big happy family. It doesn't make any difference and we'll do something for you. But this is Jesus talking, and this is not isolated. He repeats it in Matthew 16, 24 through 27. He repeats it again in Mark 8, 34 through 38. Even though salvation by grace is the most wonderful gift God could ever bestow on any human being, being saved can complicate your life at times. For instance, if you become a child of God and the rest of your family members are unsaved, you may have trouble getting along with them until they become Christians as well. Family reunion may not ever be this way it was before. 
after you become a child of God. And what about where you work? What about if most all of the employees are unsaved but you? That can create a problem for you as you stand for your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Not that you're arrogant, not that you're trying to draw attention, but all you have to do to get attention is just simply be different and be a child of God. And it won't be long, somebody will be trying to test your faith and see what kind of metal you're made out of. They really will. That can cause a problem. But there's no price too high to pay for the joy of knowing Him. Amen. Isn't that wonderful? Knowing Him. I never get over the wonder of that. The privilege of knowing Jesus Christ personally. The Son of God is my best friend. And there's no price too high to pay to keep that relationship right. And it's just the most wonderful thing in the world. The Apostle Paul said in Philippians 3, 7, 8, the things that were gained to me, I count every bit of it for loss that I might gain Christ. Then he said in Romans 8, 18, uh, I'm persuaded that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. No matter what you go through, no matter what you're called upon to suffer, for Jesus' sake, very small price to pay to be with him and enjoy his presence. There's a two broad points tonight. The first one is the principle of discipleship, verse 23. The good news that Jesus preached was this, forgiveness of sins and eternal life. No wonder it's called good news. Oh, my soul, that's amazing. I, I, I can't get over the fact that I'm forgiven. Amen. My sins are gone. No record of it that I ever did anything wrong, that I was a transgressor. In heaven, the record is clear. And if you're saved, it's the same for you. Amen. And you have eternal life. Not even the devil can do anything about that. You have eternal life in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the message Jesus came preaching. You'd think everybody would rally around that, but when he said you have to repent of your sin and trust me by faith and not your own self-righteousness, they parted like the Red Sea. They didn't want to hear that, but it was the most wonderful message you could ever hear. Now, I'm not saying in any way that the Christian is some poor, beat-down fellow who is a doormat, you know, has no rights, no feelings or anything like that, and to give up all the joys and pleasures of life and look like they fell out of the back of a hearse and smell like formaldehyde. Oh, no, that's not it at all. We ought to be the most joyful people in all this world because we're the only people that have anything to rejoice about. This world's gone crazy, and we're the only ones that have any sense because we know who we are, we know where we're going. But it's wonderful knowing the Savior. Amen. Romans 14, 17, uh, the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. That's just marvelous. Boy, that will start your tractor on a cold morning, and it's going to be a while before it gets cold, but just hang around for a while. But oh, my soul, this wonderful thing. The first reason that this is a tremendous demand is because Jesus mentioned self-denial. You see that in verse 23? If any man will come to me, let him deny himself. That word can even be translated to mean disown. You are to disown yourself. Now let me explain that a moment. 
your own desires from your own fallen nature, the things you feel, the things you would do if you were just left to yourself and sinful practices, you were to disown yourself from that and follow your new life in the Lord Jesus Christ. And sometimes it's hard to say no to self, isn't it? Amen. Those desires, those longings uh, get strong at times and try to pull you away and they may be immoral or they may be dishonest or anything else. But those things are inside you. You still have your old nature. It's still there. You have a new one in Christ. You're now a person with two natures, an old sinful and a new nature, and you're letting the new nature dominate your life and reckon the old person dead. But sometimes you get to missing the old person. And you feel those old urges, those old habits, those old things you used to think, and those old things you used to do. Come back, we all have that that we have to contend with, but Jesus says, deny that, push it aside, and follow me. Amen. That's hard to do sometimes, but it's well worth it for the blessings that are yours in following the Lord Jesus Christ. That's amazing. Again, total contradiction to user-friendly churchgoers these days, uh, they, they put everything on what's convenient. You know, they, they govern and gauge everything by what's convenient. Well, if it's convenient for me, I'll do that. If it's not, if it's out of my comfort zone, I don't think I'll be doing that. Jesus said, you'll have no part in me. You can't follow me. There must be denying of self. Boy, that's a great demand. Now, you cannot do that without the Holy Spirit. Amen. He is inside you. He enables you to live the Christian life. You can try that all you want, but it'll just turn out to be legalism if you do it and it's just on the surface. It's not from your heart. But if you really want to follow Lord Jesus, you will have to do it in the power of the Holy Spirit. He will energize you to live for the Savior and he'll give you joy unspeakable and full of glory. That's what Peter called it in his epistle. That's wonderful. But then he says, take up your cross. You see that? And take up your cross daily and follow me. The latter part of verse 23. Now the average church door today uh, compares taking up their cross to having a flat tire or getting a steak burned at a restaurant or, uh, you know, something like that happening or loss of a job or something like that or maybe the mother-in-law moving in and that can be serious. Uh, one wife talked to her husband she said, you never say anything good about me and my family. He said, I sure do. I've always said, you have a better mother-in-law than I do. You'll get that about 8.15. I haven't got time to wake up yet. But anyway, there can be no mistake about what Jesus meant. And the, the mind of these Jewish people, they knew immediately, Roger, they knew immediately what Jesus meant when he said, take up your cross, they compared that, they likened that to the Roman crucifixion. They knew what Jesus was talking about and the great demand he was requiring. He was saying this. He was saying you have to come to a place of suffering and loss and maybe giving up your own life. Now that's a tremendous demand when Jesus said, deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. Now you're not going to win a popularity contest preaching that from a pulpit on Sunday morning anymore. People just don't like hearing that. But there are joys, oh, there are joys associated with that. There are blessings from heaven when you lay everything aside and say, dear Lord, here I am. I will follow you. I'll live my life for you. 
I'm in lock, stock, and barrel. All of me. Take me and use me and do whatever you want me. There are blessings untold in that kind of living. And again, it's not some poor down in the mouth like Jonah when he's in the Mediterranean. By the way, Mediterranean, uh, Joseph, uh, Joseph, uh, it was Jonah that went to the MBI, Mediterranean Bible Institute, right down there in the, or as the evangelist said, the whale, the bale was whaling. No, it was the whale's belly. But it was a fish prepared just for him. And he said, I'm a, the Lord said, I want you to go down uh, to Nineveh and preach. He said, I ain't going. And he went towards Spain and Tarshish. And the Lord said, we'll see about that. But when you commit your life to the Lord and say, I'm not going to rebel. I'm not going to question. I want to do what you want me to do. It is the very best life possible, ladies and gentlemen. And the dividends and glory waiting for you. Amen. That's what matters. Living your life for the Savior. You'll never make a better investment than the Christian life. It's the most wonderful thing in all the world. What's to be our attitude when we're called upon to suffer for the Savior? Now, you know what suffering for Jesus is? It's being persecuted for something you would not have been persecuted for had you not identified with him. It is your identity with him and the suffering associated with that that is suffering for Jesus. And here's what we're to feel and how we're to think about that. In 1 Peter 4, 16, we are to suffer as a Christian and not be ashamed, but glorify God. Oh, you remember when the apostles, they were beaten uh, and they get out of prison. You know what they did? They went back to the church at Antioch Church at Jerusalem and they praised God that they were worthy to suffer for the Lord Jesus Christ. It's amazing the joy he gives when you live for him and obey him. Do whatever he wants you to do. Don't be afraid of it. Do whatever he wants you to do. He'll help you and bless you. There's a second vow thing you'd like to know what he'll say, amen. Amen. That's the paradox of discipleship in verses 24 through 26. Again, totally opposite the way the world thinks. Look at this. Verse 24. Makes no sense to the unsaved mind. For whosoever shall save his life shall lose it. But whosoever shall lose his life, for my sake, the same shall save it. Total contradiction to the philosophy of this world. They say, get all you can and can all you get. It's us four, no more. Number one, I'm looking out for. That's the way the world philosophy is. But Jesus gives a total paradox. He says, wait a minute. No, no, no. If you want to be a blessing, if you want to be great before God, you are to be a servant to men, not try to climb over them in the ladder to success. Be a servant to all. You can't climb any higher than that in God's economy than being a servant to other people. Our Lord was the King of glory, and he came down here and became a what? A servant. Servant. Jesus says, if you lose your life for my sake, you'll gain it. Now, he's not talking about physically losing it or being killed in martyrdom. That's not what he's saying. He's saying if you'll give up what you want, how you feel, and living life your own way, and if you'll follow me, you will find your life. You'll find a life worth living. It'll be the best life possible. Anybody who does not do that lives a second-class life, living for themselves. Never happy. 
You've never met anyone that's thoroughly, completely happy who lived for themselves. You've never seen it. You've never seen it. Even multimillionaires, Hollywood, all the time committing suicide, dying young, all the rest of it, and trying to get all they can out of life and live life and enjoy life and, and make themselves happy, and it just doesn't work. The happiest person in town is the person who's fully surrendered to the will of God and to the best of their knowledge living that will of God in their own life. They have peace, joy, contentment. It's amazing what the Savior offered. I think of what the poet said, Let me lose my life and find it, Lord, in thee. May all self be slain, my friends see only thee. Though it cost me grief and pain, I shall find my life again. If I lose my life, I'll find it, Lord, in thee. Isn't that something? Total paradox from what the world says. And then Jesus gives the ultimate statement in verse 25. I mean, he goes all the way out there saying, okay, let's look at it your way. You want to live life your way? I'm going to give you that. Let's look at it. Let's give you the ultimate life blessing. Let's look at that and see where you wind up. Verse 25. For what is a man advantage if he shall gain the whole world and lose himself or be cast away? Suppose you could hold the title deed to everything. Well, they don't make a calculator that would run up how much you'd be worth. Gazillionaire, I don't know. You'd have it all. All of it is yours. Everything in God's creation, all of it in all this world, it belongs to you. But if you don't know the Savior and you lose your own soul, here's what Jesus is saying. What good is it? You're going to die penniless, spiritually speaking. You're going to have nothing. No one's ever seen an armored truck following a hearse. You can't take it with you. The only thing that matters is what you accumulate for the glory of God in this life and in the life to come. Live your life, ladies and gentlemen. Live your life for the glory of God. Amen. And reach everybody you can with the gospel message. Help fill up the building around here. Let's make this worthwhile. Let's live our lives the way Jesus wants us to. And all God's people said, Amen. Let's stand, if you will, please. This is wonderful. And true discipleship. You don't hear a lot about it anymore. But our Savior making these tremendous demands but saying, you're not going to give up anything but what you won't gain it infinitely in the glory. Just amazing. Let's pray and thank the Lord for the evening and just being together. Pray for Sunday school, Sunday, the morning service, all of it. Brother Doug, I'm glad you're here. You took a trip today to Atlanta. Need anybody can do that and get back in one piece. That's a blessing. Amen. But you pray for us, dear brother. Father, we thank you for your word. Father, we thank you for this church and all the blessings we have in it. Father, we just want to thank and pray the wonderful name of Jesus for everything that's about to take place. Father, just have your way. Father, whatever takes place, we're going to pray to you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.